0: On this episode of On the Move, we have episode 21 with our friend Greg from Texas. Greg, uh, previously before the last two years, uh, was working in cybersecurity and uh, recently decided to hit the road and travel the country with his horse and his trailer. Um, We met Greg this fall. Uh, just kind of out of the blue, I met him for the first time, uh, at Buck's uh, clinic in North Carolina, uh, which was the first clinic, um, Buck Brandman clinic he'd ever been a part of. And it was clear from the get go, he kind of caught the bug. He, that really ignited a spark in him. And from there, he actually followed Buck to South Carolina, then Missouri, in Wisconsin, and then finish the year out with him in Washington State, all in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks, um, which was something I found pretty remarkable. And uh, he's the other thing is he's just a pretty cool guy, man. He, you can tell he's really introspective, and, and it's cool to talk to someone who's at the early stages of this uh, horsemanship journey.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think we reached our desired outcome of hanging out with him on the podcast and he kept saying why do you guys want to hear from me but that's why because he's that guy at that moment of parapetia he's made a big change he's getting on the move and studying this horsemanship stuff and we talk about those kind of people all the time and and that moment in our lives so that was really fun man Greg's a cool guy. We're going to Yeah, it was great. rope some calves and ride some horses this morning, but Best of luck to him. Hopefully he sticks around um down here for a little while. He might pull out today, but if he doesn't, that'd be a lot of fun. Cuz it's encouraging. I noticed this weekend him riding with us, he made some changes, some big changes. And a lot of that's, you know, his work ethic. He's he's hot on it. He's working at it, and when we're all done, he was still yeah. out there practicing the, what he was learning. And it's just so fun to see that. Yeah, the work ethic is undeniable. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's undeniable in him. It's so fun sure. to see that.
1: It's like other people we know that you see him working at it, just doggedly out there trying to get a change and trying to trying to get it done and it's exciting because it's not for everybody to get bit by that bug but when someone is so great you just want to encourage them and make sure they feel welcome in the community and and uh you look forward to seeing what they're going to end up doing and to me that's always fun meeting new friends um especially new friends that you know you're going to know for a long time probably is uh, thinking about where they're going to be down the road and where that's going to lead to and what they're going to end up doing. And it's a, it's a bright future for all of us. So I think that's what Greg talked about. Like just waking up that one day and thinking, man, I'm not doing something significant with my life and not like you have to change the world, but you have the ability to, to steer your own life in the direction you want to go and do something meaningful and do something that that you enjoy and that's wholesome. So super encouraging to see him doing that.
0: Absolutely, man. He's uh it's pretty cool. No one no one can question how much he wants it and no one can question about how hard he works. So that's awesome to see. It definitely encourages me to work harder. Yeah, me too. Alrighty.
1: Well guys, here's episode number shoot, we're at episode number twenty one. So we're we're yeah, man. rocking and rolling this thing on the move. All right. Well enjoy this episode, everybody.
0: But yeah, so the clinic clinic was good. Everything went pretty smooth.
1: Yeah. That was a good little group, don't you think? Yeah. We had I think like ten in there. Yeah. And we had the arena still sectioned off in half because of the rain, so we were all kind of packed in there.
2: Got to play with cows, which is yeah, fun always. The mechanical one. We got a little trouble. We
0: got hit pretty hard on Friday. Rain by the rain. Mhm. Yeah, and now it's it's like 20 degrees outside now. Yeah. What was the name of this one? Irene or something? I I don't even know.
1: Same here. What is it like? Probably 30 degrees this morning.
0: Yeah. No, it was it was very cold this morning. Yeah. Which is crazy cuz it was like almost in the 80s earlier. Really? Yesterday? Yeah, like earlier this week. No, 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 no. Like maybe Monday or Tuesday. Okay.
1: But yeah, we had one little calf. He was kind of a little pushy thing. And so some people could push him. And there was this one guy there with this big tall horse, big lanky thing that was afraid of that calf. And it seemed like that calf was starting to figure out that he could push that horse. So he kept coming to that same part of the arena and like trying to get that big horse to move.
2: Oh, the one with the cataract. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. He was blind Because he kept, eye, so he kept hitting that Yeah, that button.
1: calf kept torpedoing out of there. <laughs> when someone would be trying to move him, and he would come right for the line because we were all lined up along the side of the arena, like waiting for our turn to go in. But like that one horse mm-hmm. that was really afraid of that calf, he would beeline it for him every time. The horse would blow up and run down the side of the fence. It was pretty funny. We should have given Jeez. the calf a chance to go move that horse around for a while. <laughs>
2: I think he's the biggest horse in there. <laughs> build road. his confidence. easily. <laughs> close to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like when he trotted that thing. <laughs> yeah. you had about a mile of sunlight between his butt and the seat. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big horse, big yeah. big action to its movements. Hmm. Well, gotcha. Anyway, Greg, this is pretty cool having you on. Um, I know you keep saying you're not sure why we'd want to have you on. I I know for me. One of the reasons, Joe and I talk a lot about uh, the moment that you're doing what you're doing. I think they call it like a parapetia, where you see something and you're like, oh man, an aha moment where it changes your trajectory. And that happens with a lot of people and horses, whether they're coming from something else and they find horses and specifically this kind of horsemanship, or they're dinking around with horses, and then they find this, they watch buck ride or get some help from somebody in this, and it changes their whole mindset. So it's really cool for us to have you on because you're very fresh to that feeling. Like that's happening to you right now. And so it's not often that we get to talk to somebody like that. So we thought it'd be cool to have you on. And just hear about your experiences and hear about, like, how it's going. Like, what you're learning so far and and how you see this. Um, talk to somebody who's at that turning point where they're like, wow, this is totally, totally the coolest thing I've done, especially with a horse.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I want to start to say yeah, I'm completely humbled by this Experience and you know I, I, uh, I'm after what you guys got. So you know I, I feel like I should be trying to interview you. <laughs> I'm, you know I'm not on any level of your previous guest, and um, I I am a little uh, confused why, why you're interested <laughs> in having me on. But uh, you know, short of being on the move, um, I I kind of fit that. But I, uh,
1: Greg, keep this thing kind of aimed at your mouth. Oh. And you can move it if you need to, even. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. Um,
2: but, yeah, I uh, just kind of recently stumbled into this horse thing and, in my adult life, and uh, I've been all in, you know, traveling with the horse and trying to pick up as much as I can, and only recently kind of stumbled into this clinic um, uh, thing, and, I guess in typical Greg fashion, I've gone all in with that and just been going to clinic after clinic every week for the last couple months. uh, uh, Trying to pick up as much as I can. Um, I was out kind of uh, camping and riding trails in Big South Fork and and Kentucky and Tennessee, and uh, just had remembered back. uh, A friend had given me some Buck DVDs way back, and I never did anything with them didn't, didn't really watch them or do anything with them but I thought about buck and just had a uh, a whim to um call that North Carolina clinic and kind of see if there was any hope of, of getting a spot and uh, and they they called me back and I got in so I drove over there it wasn't you know 6 or 7 hours maybe from where I was camping at the time and <laughs> uh, kind of showed up in trail rider fashion with my my saddle bags and snacks, and <laughs> I had my my water and my coffee. And I was riding in a halter, um, a really short rope or rein that you know I'd clip on my on my saddle horn so I could ride with a phone in one hand and a beer in the other on on the trails, you know, and kind of just um having a good time, more or less just partying on the horse out and you know, doing that thing, um, and then when I come in this clinic, it was just, a <laughs> everybody's riding in different equipment than me, and, uh, you know, kind of has their, their stuff together a little bit, and I didn't, and I couldn't translate anything that I was doing outside, um, you know, into something that meant anything in the arena, and it was very eye-opening for me that I kind of thought I had some stuff going on, and I hear this often, and then until I went to the clinic, and then I realized I got nothing going on, and really don't have control of my horse like I thought I did. Um, so that's kind of what has kept me in it is that that third day of the clinic. It seems like invariably, um, I'm referring to the buck clinics is just just so f- frustrating, and you realize what you know, you, what you don't know, and that's what keeps me going is. I just said to myself, I can't go out like that, you know. So I kind of continued the um, the quest for more clinics and and uh, followed followed Buck to um, South Carolina, where where you guys were at North Carolina too, right? No, I met you at South Carolina. South Carolina. South
1: Carolina? Okay. Yeah, we missed that the one in North Carolina. Okay. Joe probably met you in North Carolina.
2: Were you at the Joe? Were you at the North Carolina? Yeah. Okay
0: yeah um yeah yeah that's where we met for the first time briefly yeah. and then talked to you a little more at south carolina and then really had the first real conversation with you in wisconsin i think
2: yeah yeah so i was you know lucky enough to get, to get into these buck clinics but it's kind of going and showing up with my horse and somebody having you know something come up the, the night before from <laughs> horses getting hurt, to vehicles broke down, to you name it. I mean, it's been this, that, or the other that's that's uh, afforded me the opportunity to get a spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just been a real eye-opening um, experience for me, and I'm hooked, and, um, you know, especially getting getting to work with the cows and stuff now is really, uh, that's a whole new um thing to pursue for me so i'm I'm really excited to get the roping and the cow working going.
1: Was that your first time um, working cattle like that
2: so uh yes um, I'd taken a uh, a cutting lesson with um, uh, Rex Russell, who is a, uh, a cutting judge um, when I was out in California just a one day thing uh but short of that I've had, you know, no experience on cows. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the roping thing too. I've I've wanted to rope for a long time, but I've just uh I've kinda held out until I've had the right person show me the basics, if you will. Um, and that's kinda why I'm uh, so me and Bill were talking a little bit last night about uh you know, how horsemanship is, is really different than a lot of different um, areas where you can take it upon yourself to Google and research and be as independent as you want because the information is out there for at least things that I've pursued in my life. Um, in particular, I uh, worked in the technology space and um, wrote code and um, you can figure all that stuff out online and very rarely did I find myself going and having to actually go ask another person, you know, how do I do this? I can, and I prided myself in that, and that I felt like that kind of separated me from others in my space is that I, you know, I could do it all, I felt like I could do it all on my own for the most part. You know, not on my own. There's other people posting the code out online and stuff, but I can go find it, the knowledge I need, and I can apply it directly, whereas this horsemanship thing is just a whole different deal because you you, um. You really got to have a mentor, and you gotta. You gotta fix stuff up in real time, and I think that's why you can't be on your phone out there googling, you know, how to not get kicked when I you know, approach the horse <laughs> from this certain angle or, or whatever, you know, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you got to get gotta,
1: kicked enough times so you know what <laughs> angle that is.
2: Yeah. Fall off and everything else. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so you can definitely leverage you know other people's mistakes i guess if you will yeah um uh and that's kind of i guess what's got me into the clinic thing it's like pursuing people that really know what they're doing yeah at a level that you know is obvious you can see um and you can see the results that they get in other people and and other people's horses and you know i was, it's a very frustrating thing, um, especially when you come to these clinics, and a lot of times half the class or more has been doing it for a decade or more. Um, so they kind of got a lot of things going for them, and you know, I'm, I'm struggling just to communicate to my horse. Um, but there's a, I think there's some level of osmosis with that stuff too, just being around people that... Um, that know what they're doing, and you don't even really know you're learning by being around them. But eventually, you pick up things and see things that they do and say, and um, it kind of just rubs off on you. And that's that's what I'm going for here is just to stay around the right the right folks that know what they're doing and, and keep it moving in a positive direction. Yeah. And you guys, I, I, Joe, I I didn't tell you, but in in uh, in Wisconsin, you uh, you know, you asked me out to dinner, and we hung out in the, in the evenings and everything, and, you know, I never really watched you work your horse that time. I was always preoccupied kind of with some other thing that was going on in the clinic, and then I think it was the maybe the third day of it, I just sat and watched you do groundwork, and I was like, blown away. I mean, you're, you got it together, and. I felt like I should have been watching you a whole dang time instead of kind of being sidetracked but uh, uh and that's the thing is you know you guys have been around um uh these clinicians and have just really applied it um and it's encouraging to to see uh to see how far y'all y'all've gotten with it and uh, you out here with Bill and and working working the cows out here and it's <laughs> great.
0: (laughs) And that should show you, I mean, me and Ben, it's not, uh, it's not exactly a matter of talent. It's more a matter of just like banging your head against the wall long enough. (laughs) Then you might figure some things out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're kind of letting you say it and just kind of bask in the compliments, but we should (laughs) definitely go back and, and iterate that. You know, you said like, we have it. No, man. I mean, from the moment that you have that, You've probably heard Buck say it even. His horsemanship was the best it ever was up until he met Ray Hunt, and I think all of us have that experience. What we had going on with the horse, we were most pleased about it up to the point that we saw the truth, and then since then, I mean, maybe we've worked at it more, but I I, I think I probably feel about like you do. Um, <laughs> as frustrated a lot of days you know maybe the ebbs and flows start to even out more and more i hope it will for me in the future but certainly it's like grasping at a piece of ice on a on a marble countertop just when you think you have your fingers around it and you try to close in and then it off it goes and and maybe more and more you start to learn to grasp it a little more carefully and not with as much assurance of taking hold of it right then and you know, maybe someday you'll get that little thing cornered and you'll pick it up, but but you just stop trying to grab it all at once. And you start being a little smarter about it, start being a little more realistic that you won't get it all at once. But the chase is certainly there. And and the feeling of inadequacy is something I think we all experience um to to a degree. A
0: thousand so, percent. Yeah. 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 Totally and, agree.
1: And it's really cool to see. It almost seems like it's a snowballing effect where, like, I know I dorked around with horses for a while before I got to experience some help. And even being aware of this horsemanship stuff, I was kind of lost on my own just dinking around. Thought I had it going on. um, And to me, the, the most encouraging point in my life was realizing I for sure didn't have it going on. I didn't need to try to figure it out on my own. And I had help and I had people like Bill around me. That's the most encouraging part of my life with horses. But it's, it's really cool to see someone like you. And I know lots of other people. And, um, like when you talk to a young person to like right out of high school and they say, yeah, I'm interested in riding horses. And then like, they find someone like Bill to talk to, or they come to one of these little clinics or they're at a buck clinic and. So more and more, it's great to see people get the information early on. And maybe it won't be their life's passion. Maybe they won't be into it in the long run. But for them to be able to find it that early um, it's really cool versus somebody having to struggle forever and find it later on. And so I get excited for like people who kind of find this style of horsemanship right away when they get into it because then you don't have to waste your efforts on trying to find it you kind of came to you so it's a real gift
2: yeah i I feel very fortunate you know it's a big part of it's just knowing what you need to know to stay safe and you know for the long haul because coming in as a newbie i mean i've been dumped many times and (laughs) (laughs) i've been bitten kicked um this is just you know a very short time that i've been doing it um and you know it's a there's a big fear factor that you you kind of got to get over with it as a newbie, and I think for me that was a big piece of it. Just trying not to die, if you will. Yeah. Uh, um, I'd, I'd take my horse, and I I was riding bareback <laughs> a lot, and he would I would take him away from camp, and and he's pitching a fit, rearing all over the place. Taking him away from other horses and just I would just grind every day through it, you know, until we both got over it. Kind of approach, and I now I know that's not the approach. You know, it's I'm stubbornly unyielding sometimes when it comes to figuring stuff out, and I I think you nailed it with the with the analogy of the ice cube on the marble because I try to do it all at once, and you know, if an example would be like. The whole soft fill thing was totally new concept to me coming in. And, uh, you know, just at a standstill, kind of pulling on the reins until they bend at the pole and, and giving back. And Buck saying, You need to do that 10,000 times or more. So what do I do? I sit there and boom, 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 boom. Okay, well, I'm going to do 10,000 reps in three days, kind of thing. That's, yeah. how I, that's how I approach it. <laughs> and, um, you know, as. As Bill reminded me yesterday, you know, Rome Rome's not built in a day. Yeah. Um, well, not, I was asking yeah. you about swinging that rope on oh, yeah. on that colt yesterday because I that's yeah I told him I want to be roping cows off my horse by yeah. the end of the year, and I'm bound and determined to do it. When <laughs> Bill take. made that comment to you, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, he's like, well, can you load? Can you mount them from the fence? Yeah. You know, you need to start there and yeah. get up on the fence and swing a rope, and so well, I. Worked on that for a day and got that going today. And then yesterday I was like, well, uh, (laughs) Bill, I swung a rope from the fence. Can I swing one from a horse now?
1: Well, not only will you not get it right away, approaching it like that, but you'll experience some like serious failure too, because then you screw them up doing that. And that's good. Cause that's also what I wanted to say. It's, it's encouraging to see people find this and have it more readily available. You can go on the buck channel. There's all kind of three reins is doing cool stuff now with, uh, horsemanship videos being available. But at the same time, cause I talk to this, uh, talk about this with people when you're debating like capitalism versus socialism. And I'm like, I'm pretty open-minded, but I have my, my views. And one thing that I come back to is, you know, whatever you're going to set up, don't diminish the ability for people to experience failure in a civilization or in, in a career or like in some kind of pursuit, whatever you're doing. And same with this, you want it to be inclusive. You want to be kind to everybody and make everybody feel like, Hey, you can, this isn't a click. You don't need to get to a certain level. You can jump in, and give it your all welcome aboard at the same time. You don't want to take away people's failure. And cause that's so vital to experience that. And you will anyway. But you can't get rid of that. That's an important factor, mm-hmm. and it makes you appreciate those good moments so much better. And same with trying to get it all at once. It's like you try to get it all at once, and then you fail all at once, and you're like, ah, and uh, and then you get back up again, and then maybe you take a little more realistic approach, and then you fail a
2: little less each time. And it's take another big takeaway from that is. Um, taking the emotion out of it when you do stuff good and when you fail because it was I mean it was an emotional roller coaster for me when I first started going to this clinic and because i you know I obviously want Buck to look at me and be like oh that's a fast learner and you yeah, know I'm, I'm impressed with this this kid coming from nothing and you know that kind of thing but it just uh, you know it, it obviously didn't pan out that way I remember and, uh, having the same feeling <laughs> And then when Buck yep. does, does give, you know, at one point he he gave me a compliment in front of the group, and it was I was just so elated. And, like, after that clinic that day, I was, you know, text messaging my parents and stuff, and this, this, <laughs> and that. I was on top of the world, you know. Buck gave me a compliment. And then the next day it just all fell apart, and I was literally devastated. And it was funny because it was almost like Buck predicted it because – the day that he, it, the day after he uh, had given me a compliment in one of the classes, he he started talking about this whole thing about, you know, the ebbs and flows, and you're going to have good days and bad days, and you'll go from on top of the world to pure devastation, I think is how he, he worded it, and lo and behold, that day, I, I experienced that, you know, like I just had a really low point with my horse, and yeah, I've yeah you know, just i just want to make uh you know, the people that know what they're doing i i, I want their approval i guess yeah and it's a difficult thing um uh, but uh i think a taking the emotion out of it is definitely uh something you have to do cuz it's it is just a, a bunch of a bunch of ebb and flows and uh to make sound decisions you kind of Got to take all that out of it.
1: That's why we wanted to hang out with you. Because that's something we all share. The common denominator in this is the struggle. It's uh, spread pretty evenly to everybody, no matter where you're at or how long you've been at it. You know, When we've all been at this 30 years, I bet we'll still be struggling. And some guy will come along, never heard of it. He might be trying not to tangle himself up in his rope as frustrated as he is you know maybe you'll have learned to deal with your frustration but you'll still have those goals you'll still see yourself here and still want to be there and hopefully you have just got better at managing your life and your emotions but (laughs) hopefully after 30 years but um (laughs) certainly you would still have the same aspirations for getting better and uh you know just everyone's on that incline and it doesn't really matter where you're at. It just matters that you're moving forward.
2: Yeah, part of the journey is, as Bill words it, um, yeah. Um, thankful to be part of it. and um, I plan to, to continue the pursuit, get better, do more.
1: Have you heard that saying, the, the destination is the journey?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, like, I if definitely.
1: that's true, then... Why does it matter where you're at right. or who you hang out with where they're at? You know, as long as they're also on the journey, you're all at the same place. Yeah. And uh, and you kind of want to find people that are better than you to hang out with all most of the time. So you can get better, too. But it's kind of when you start to see it like that, there's no competition. There's a lot less of it because you're all on the journey. You're not all going towards some finish line. You're just trying to get on the journey, trying to get better at traveling. and Like, I, I, I see things real, um, like, in pictures in my mind, and, you know, I think of people, you know, going west on a wagon train or something, you know, and if some guy's just always trying to act like he's made it, like, the Indians are going to get you. But if you really pack like you're going to travel and you learn to adapt and you learn to turn your – Conestoga into a boat to cross the river and turn it back into a Conestoga and keep going and then, you know, learn to build a cabin when you get to the forest and a teepee when you're on the plains and whatever. Then you might make it. But if you're the guy who's like starting out in St. Louis, acting like you already made it and you're like the king of the plains and you're always trying to, you know, be Mister Somebody, you're probably gonna get eaten by the wolves or scalped or something because you're not you're not thinking about the group and just. Being a guy on the move, you're, like, thinking about camping out. You're thinking about building your spread, and you're not even – you barely even started the journey. Yeah. And there's no room for that self-inflation or ego when you're trying to go somewhere. You just have to be all in, and that's your focus, not, not getting it done, not getting to the finish line, but working on it, and, yeah. th- and then everything else blanks out. Everything else is just white noise. And you learn to focus on what's important that day. And when you get your horse out in the morning, you know, yeah, you want to do flying lead changes on him someday. But right now, he's got a brace to the right. So that's important. You're not going to try to go do all that other stuff right now. You'll work right where you're at. Get that finished. Move on to the next thing. and Kind of. You have your blinders on a good way. Yeah. To To work on where you're at
2: yeah and I really recognize that you guys and approach this kind of like a sport you know the the technicality of it and um, I uh, I like that aspect of it but it's different in that I would say it's not as competitive or maybe not like you say it's more of a a journey than uh, a game with a winner and a loser um, but the actual, I mean, the, the physical aspect of it is, is very akin to a sport and learning a sport, um, uh, with the addition of a, another heartbeat you're dealing with and trying to figure that out. And it's just, it's a cool deal. Um, and I'm happy to be a part yeah. of
0: it. And- the, uh, the closest parallel I've ever drawn, cause I, and Ben knows this. I think about stuff. I I think about this in terms of sports quite a bit, just because I've always been immersed in sports, playing them, watching them and stuff like that. But I feel like horsemanship, if it was close to anything, it'd almost be like a martial art. Like if someone wanted to get really good at Taekwondo or something, because a lot of those guys who are really good at a martial art like that, they, um, you know, there, especially like if it's a combat sport, there is a competitiveness to it, right? It's like you're going against another person, but the ones who are really good don't really see it as that. They just, they're kind of like mastering their craft and it is kind of like a you versus you thing. Um, but then there is at the same time, you know, the, there's so many, like, you have to master your emotions. You have to, um, you know, kind of work within the constraints you have physically, things like that. Um, and so that's how I, I kind of look at it um, is it, if horsemanship could be compared to anything, it'd almost be like, I don't know, trying to learn karate or something.
2: Yeah, I can see that the mental aspect of it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Greg, I I do think... You're, I think Ben and I are probably kindred spirits in that too, where like you start out and you just want to like get it all done right away and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go faster and I'll get to the mountaintop faster. Right. I think you can like having that in you can be beneficial. Obviously that's not the right approach, but I think having that kind of like laser focus and determination I think you need that at the same time, because if you were just completely happy-go-lucky and like, oh, okay, I'm gonna do the horsemanship deal and get a little better, um, like y- you might you might progress, but it might not um, it it might not enrich you in the same way. If that makes sense, you have to have to you have to have that full dedication like i i can tell just from the little bit i've known you you're a guy who like you said like you can go all in on something and so you you do you do need to be all in but you have to do it tactfully because you're doing it with another another being at the same time you can't just be like all right i'm gonna sit here and until, I'm not going to leave the gym until I make a hundred free throws because that's not how horses work. You know, you'd completely right. fry one. If you were like, I'm going right. to do this until we get hind quarters, front quarters, perfect. A hundred times in a row. And then you'll be broke.
2: <laughs> yeah. You, you definitely have to get in and get out. Um, and I'm learning yep. more of when to identify that. I mean, cause that's a, that's a learning experience in itself, just to kind of know how much to do and win um, in all aspects. And I, uh, I've i definitely ruined my horse in that regard in trying to do some of the, the things excessively to the, you know, it, it, I'll see something as a, a goal and I'll just make some arbitrary uh, set some arbitrary date for some arbitrary goal that i yeah. have to like roping cows by the end of the year yeah for example I mean, there's no meaning in that it's just something that okay i want to do this you know yeah um but that doesn't that hasn't really panned out so well i guess because uh, even identifying small pieces of it um you know it, y- you mentioned getting the hind quarters around the front quarters and if you're just drilling that over and over and over um at some point it it becomes diminishing returns and even doing you know negative damage if you will to your horse <laughs> uh, so uh it's a it's an ongoing learning experience for me and um i I take things that that uh you guys and I notice people around me are doing, and and another thing is auditing these clinics. You, you really get to, I guess, sit back and kind of see what you would look out like out there with your horse, and naturally you just kind of pick apart what some other people are doing. But by in doing so, you're you're actually learning, I think, and um, that's been really helpful for me is just, just sitting and watching, because I kind of got on this clinic fix and just started going to one after another and was out there week after week doing it, but not really, um, just taking a step back and and looking at it. So I got to do that. And, um, and like that Wisconsin clinic, I, I audited and it's, uh, that's another useful thing is to kind of see how other people go through the same things you've gone through. Yeah. Uh, Well, like you said,
1: having, um, having that chance to step back because early on I tried to go to a lot of clinics and then, and then what you end up doing too, there's lots of great people out there, no doubt, but then you start going to whatever clinics you can. So then you're going to this guy and then that guy and and you're kind of, you're thinking of it as if, if you can go to enough clinics, you'll get better when really uh, it just doesn't work that way. Not for me anyway. And so when I got to be here with Bill, and I got to spend some time with Kip Flad, and we had him on the podcast a while back, that was so beneficial for me. And I rode with with Missy too, and um, they helped me so much. Like I'd been going to all these clinics, and then like I rode with Missy, and she was a she's a dressage trainer. Like I'd never had anybody just teach me how to sit on a horse. I'm one of those. I'm the kid who. Grew up, wanted to be a cowboy. Started riding horses at local barns and progressed from there. You know, lied my way into a job in Montana. And what I didn't know, like I was telling you this morning, my attitude was what I didn't know. I was going to learn, act like I already knew it. Once I had it down to Pat. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I've known that forever. And I figured it out that morning. Make and it, um make it till you make it. Exactly. <laughs> but to ride with Missy and just she had me trotting around her for like an hour. And she would just say, no, nope, put your hands back down, put your hands back. Down. You know, straighten your back a little bit. Your, your pelvis is still cocked to the left, whatever it was, very simple stuff. And it wasn't like being in a clinic where I thought I needed to go to these clinics as much as I could and just get run through the process. And I'll just practice it. And next week I'll be better. Cause I was at a clinic and yeah, the, the clinic is like a litmus test. Um, A hundred percent, but at the same time, you need someone like that. And even, I remember she had me trotting around her just working on the most basic things I'd never thought of, never been taught. And that helped me tremendously to come away from almost a month with them and and have some really simple things like down to pat. And like, we're not talking anything exciting. We're talking about like where your foot is in the stirrup, like to like know where I, I need to have it and have it there every time and be particular about it and and i needed that and then being here with bill so being with somebody who can check in with you all the time and you you have to have that so important like if we're talking about sports think of all the great um athletes who have a coach and and you talk about martial arts like what's his name john Donaher. he trains uh Jiu-jitsu fighters, I don't know if you're familiar, like John Donaher, that guy, he reminds me, (laughs) he's like the, he's like a Bill Barnes or like a Buck Brannaman in jiu-jitsu, right? This guy, you know, quit his job, quit everything about what he was doing and just teaches jiu-jitsu, like lives in a gi, sleeps on the mats. And then his students, he's working with them every day. So like he is with them all the time, devoted to them, thinking about them, there for them when they need him. If they're at a competition, they can call him. And I feel like that's what, boy, if you can be lucky enough to find someone like that in horsemanship where they're your friend, they're your mentor, they're going to tell you the hard stuff, every now and then they'll give you a little compliment, but they're there for you. And I'm sure Joe experiences this. You know, you're working with a colt, and you know you have these couple of people, you could call like at lunchtime, and you could get help. I mean, it's right there and you know they want to help you, and they're invested in you. And then you also know that they're not just some person who has a bunch of knowledge, but they're also working on it as hard as you are, maybe even harder. And it's so cool, and I think you have to have that to be be elite. And we want to be elite because we want to be safe. We just want to pursue it, you know? Why not? And so you need to have that, I think.
2: Yeah. And... Another point is Bill and Buck, and I'm sure some of these others say they, they're lifetime students of it, and you know every day they're they're working to get better, um, and it's just contagious. You know? um, and Bill can really uh, uh, kind of break it down and fill in for me anyway fill in some of the gaps
1: Um, he's a good communicator yeah it's it's such a different angle right because of his past and and what he brings to the table and i guess the prism that he looks at this through and it it does it adds another dimension same information you know and, and he always gives credit to the people he's learned from but It is. It's a little different dimension when you're learning it from a guy who's been cutting on people for 30 years. And then he takes that particularness and he he figures if somebody that's good at this has gone through, has gone to the lengths to tell him, well, it must be important. It must be worth not only remembering, but getting good at, or they wouldn't have said it. Just like if you told someone that you should, you know, don't let an artery just spew blood out. You're like, oh, okay. You know, and then that's like the most basic thing and then on from there. There's no like jokes about replacing someone's knee. So therefore, if you're gonna get serious about riding a horse, right? Probably anything you learn from someone who's really good, there's there's a lot of truth to everything they say and a lot of importance to every part of it. And I think Bill does does a good job of that. He approaches it that way. Where it's like I I have a little kindred spirit with him where sometimes you learn something new from someone you trust. Like for me, that'd be someone like Buck. And I don't know why he said to do it. I don't know what it's supposed to do for me, but that hasn't even entered my mind. I'm going home to work on it because maybe someday I'll know. Maybe I won't. But If he said it, I'm doing it. And uh, and I, I mean, call that blind faith or just being gullible, but I I, I think – I think about those athletes sometimes, right? Like I'm kind of a distrustful person sometimes, but those guys have to trust their coach. So if he says, Hey, you need to eat this and you need to do that. And you could, you could think to yourself, well, I know my body better. And I think I know what exercises I should be doing. Go for it. Right. But he's your coach. He probably sees something you don't. That's why you're working with him. So those guys don't need to know why and what it does. They just do it and it works. And I think with this, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of times where people, I've talked to people before about horsemanship and they don't really want to work on something because they don't understand how it's going to help them yet. You're not supposed to sometimes. Sometimes your coach knows better than you. That's why he's your coach. So you just do it. Just work on it. And then someday
2: you'll thank him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the quality of the instruction is definitely a big factor there. Not so much just a, a chink in your armor or whatever. Um, the quality. Is-
0: yeah, yeah, and it's it's a balance too, right? Because if you're if you're constantly skeptical, like you were saying, Ben, if you're like, well, I, you know, I I know this more than anyone else, then then you'll you'll be stuck with what you can figure out on your own. That's pretty much what you're limited to. Um, But if you go the other extreme and, and just devote yourself to like anything anyone tells you to do, you know, then you go down the other path of, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you chase two rabbits, you'll catch none. Like you're doing this and then doing this and there's no consistency to it. Um, It, it's not, it's not laid out in a path. So you have to have that balance of figuring out, you know, who who are your mentors going to be? Who are you going to trust? Who do you, in this case, like, who do you want to ride like? Who do you want to have a relationship with your horse the way this person has a relationship with their horse? But then w- once you kind of like, it's almost like you have to turn that critical thinking off after that and be like, okay, well, now I'm antied up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and and just kind of put my head down and do whatever this person says. And maybe maybe you come up after like giving it some time and you're like, all right, now I'm gonna think about this. Like, why did they tell me to do this, and why did I tell me to do that? But you have to have that balance of, um, I, I'm really gonna, you know, think about this and be pretty critical about who I trust. But then when you decide, then you have to flip the switch and be like okay, well now I'm going to, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to trust the process for a while. And then once I feel like the process is working, then I might pick my head up again and be like, all right. Um, you know, not that you're going to switch who you're listening to, but you need to, at some point you can't just trust the process. You have to understand the process, but sometimes the only way to understand it is looking back on doing it. You know, you can't look into the tunnel and know where it goes. You have to go through the tunnel, go through all the darkness, and then look back and say, oh, okay, now if I ever get to that tunnel again, I know I just go through it like this and I'll come out the other side. But I had to just trust going through the darkness to get it done. Yeah, that, That's kind of how I, I look at it because it, it's tough. You can't be all one way or all the other.
1: That's a really good way to put it
2: guys are like the king of analogies here. I got to hand it to you. <laughs> well, we we talk a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's but also yeah, just that, a lot of practice. Like,
1: yeah. Like the um like somebody is not even really worthy of a success if they haven't been willing to work at it without the guarantee of that success. And that's like that tunnel. That's what I see is that guy who you're not worthy to go out the other side of the tunnel unless you've walked through it not knowing there's another side, and you're just not. Like, it's not like a feelings thing or a lofty ideal. It's like physical. You literally can't go out the other side if you don't start the journey without knowing what's on the other side. And so fair or not fair. It's your journey to make, and there's, there's only one way to do it, and sometimes you won't see the end. But hopefully you got people there that can steer you in the right way. Again, back to why it's so exciting to, well, I mean, I I think I have some good friends around me who are steering me in the right way, so then it's exciting to see other people who are hopping on board, and you just want to say, man, that's great. Come on, because, uh, you know, it's something worth working at, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. You won't be working at something that you'll wake up one day and think, gosh, wish, uh, wish I had found that other guy a lot sooner that are wasting all my time on this
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: (laughs) because that's the one thing we all have in common too right is is the lack of time and time ticking away and and so
0: it's Um, a it's a it's a thing we all deal with if you guys don't mind could we if you don't mind sharing greg could we back up a little bit because i think you have like just an awesome story in general just from like a not even like a this is my horsemanship journey story but i mean what three years ago you were um you were like living in a city working in it was like cyber security right
2: yeah yeah so um yeah i worked with cisco systems for 16 years um most recently doing cybersecurity. And uh, I was, uh, I guess, about mid-2020 is kind of when I hit the road. Um, And uh, I really kind of stumbled into the horse thing. Uh, I'd gone down to New Braunfels, Texas, to look at some property. I was wanting to buy some riverfront property on the, the Guadalupe River. And uh I had booked uh an Airbnb down there for thirty days to uh to kind of look around at real estate and whatnot. And um uh the lady that owned the Airbnb, um uh her niece, I believe it was, uh at a horse farm out outside of Austin. Uh, and uh she would come and we'd all hang out and uh I don't know a week or so into it she's like, "Well, you want to come ride horses?" and um I was all about it. So I I went out there and uh kind of didn't come back. Like that that Airbnb uh I, it just sat there and uh I, I stayed in a one of the rooms in the farmhouse and um kinda helped out and took care of the horses and hauled hay or you know, replaced the arena lights and did things here and there, um, to try to kinda pick up on the horse stuff. And uh not long after that, a few months later I had my own truck trailer and horse and I was all about um, you know, doing it full time and making making a lifestyle out of it, uh, so I hit the road and in the last two years, I guess, roughly two years, I've covered 20-something states, just doing different horse things from, you know, anything that's cool from chuck wagon races to just going to different rodeos and different state and national parks and riding trails and meeting all kinds of folks along the way. and. Going and doing things with them, and just kind of branching off in different directions and following wherever it takes me. Um, that's how I'm here. I mean, just kind of pray that God's will be done, and and going with it every day is really what what what's got me where I'm at with it. And uh, uh, been very fortunate to, you know, prior to the clinicians and and being around you guys. Um, I just picked up and learned bits and pieces as I could from different folks that that have been doing it a long time, and not necessarily the right way of doing things as I've figured out, but ways of doing it and ways of getting it done, and you know to enable me to kind of build somewhat of a relationship with my horse um but this I'm just finding that I'm finally figuring out the right way to do it, I guess, and that's that's what. That's why I'm drilled into this clinic thing
0: is
2: (laughs) the realization that I, you know, I I wasn't doing things the right way and I was doing things the dangerous way. Yeah.
0: um, Yeah. I, I just think that's, well, one, I think that's an awesome story just from a, a, a human perspective, but two, I think it's so cool that how long you'd been on the road prior to this fall, you know, going around and, and honestly, you know, you were talking about going to all these events that are kind of bucket list events for anyone who's into horses. Um, especially some of the big rodeos and stampedes and stuff you went to. Um, but it's funny like doing all that. And then you went to a buck clinic in North Carolina and then that like drew like your full attention. Like (laughs) it was like being around you, those first couple of weeks was like being around a blue healer that had seen cattle for the first time or something.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's uh, yeah. And uh, just, you know, starting in, in South Carolina and North Carolina, then, then followed buck to Missouri and Wisconsin and, and Washington and didn't even have a spot in those clinics and there were waiting lists um so it's kind of showing up with my horse and you know that's how it that's how it happened but uh, how has uh
1: traveling been for the past couple of years i mean was that an adjustment for you to live out of your trailer for a couple of years that's
2: probably an understatement you run out of space in there <laughs> well i mean for me um i don't know if i'd call it a midlife crisis that might be the right word for it, but it's, I guess, just kind of a, a a switch kind of flicked in my head, and I remember the moment it did. And I was in the shower, listening to some god awful um, electronic music that I thought was cool at the time, and just, I just had the realization that, you know, life had kind of passed me by, hmm. and I wasn't necessarily doing what I wanted to do and getting what I wanted out of it and uh it just really reframed things for me in my head and i started to think about you know how i'm spending my time and what i want to spend my time doing and um you know i've i've come to the realization i don't want to be staring at a computer screen every day for the rest of my life yeah i've you know spent my entire adult life doing that and i just feel like life has been going on around me the whole time you know world's been turning and and i've just been oblivious to it because i've been so drilled in on figuring out this little bit of code here and there this idea that i'm pursuing or some kind of invention i'm trying to come up with and that ultimately amounted to nothing you know and um i just kind of decided to take matters into my own hands and that's that's where i've gone with it now is i just I really like what I'm doing, and um, it takes a lot of, as far as your question on the traveling piece, I guess materialism and just having fancy stuff and all that, it just doesn't appeal to me anymore. I'd say after that kind of flick that switched in my head, I value things differently, and um, a big piece of being able to live full-time in a horse trailer is having that realization, I think, that you don't need all that stuff. You don't, you know, you can get by just fine with with kind of bare minimal things and more focus your time and attention on life experiences and not so much, you know, having a big house and fancy car and all that stuff that we pursue. Um, and I say we humans, you know, society is pretty much direct, driven that way towards – materialism i think and if you can get away from that and kind of focus your time and energy on not not so much outdoing the next guy or having the coolest car or whatever and and really you know frame your entire life and, and try to pursue what you want to do that's what i'm that's kind of where i'm at with it anyway man but uh living in a trailer a blast though i mean it's it's fun to be able to go anywhere and I was just I was telling Bill last night I've, I've kind of spoiled myself because I <laughs> go where any, anywhere I want and do what I want with whoever I want for as long as I want and yeah. you know having that freedom is just awesome and I wouldn't trade it for anything modern day drifter yeah
0: yeah, yeah. talk yeah. about on the move
1: yeah right <laughs> have you uh have you been to all 50 states no
2: what ones have you not been to? I haven't been. At, well, so I spent all of last year pretty much west of Texas, uh, you know, up north to the, the Canadian border and, and west to the Pacific coast. So I'd, I'd planned on spending um, this year east and started to. Um, and I made it to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky that's kind of where I got on the, the the clinic train so that led me all the way back to the pacific coast um but uh uh i i i haven't been to Maine and any of the northeast i haven't really uh, been to it's not with horse. I've I've traveled for work so on uh and working for Cisco Systems I traveled all the time but you know to the major cities in the US yeah. not nothing like what i'm doing yeah and the nature too is a really big piece of it is i'm finding that you know that's really where i feel the most at home is is out away from people in the cities um i, I grew up in in a small town in the country and that's kind of where i feel like i'm at home um but uh yeah it's great i mean the the life on the road is is fun Uh, i just got to figure out how to make some money at it (laughs) (laughs) that's the key to life right right oh man yeah so i got caught up in the in the covid vaccine mandate Uh, i put in a, a religious accommodation request with my employer and it kept getting kicked down the road and that aggravated me more and more each week and uh I eventually lost my job over it, um, but I don't look at it as a bad thing because it's really it's got me focusing my time and energy in places where I feel like it should have been a long time ago. So um, I'm bound and determined not to have to stare at a computer screen for the rest of my life. So I'm gonna I'll figure out one way or another to, to make money in horses or or su- supplement. Um, I have an Airbnb that I run in Texas that. You know, affords me a little bit a month to, to do this, but not quite enough to keep it going the level I've <laughs> been doing it. Yeah, I know you've been you've been going for it.
1: I I think it's great that you have that tenacity, though. And some of those clinics aren't easy to get into last minute, but just showing up and that's the other thing too. Is a lot of people don't realize there's always going to be one or two people that don't make it, so there is not an extra spot usually till like the morning of the clinic. Yeah. So I'm sure the clinic sponsors out there would hate that I'm saying this, but if you showed up with a horse in the trailer like that morning and you got cash in hand
0: or and the people, three on the people wait didn't list. show up then yeah. But the but people, the people on the wait list should have had faith and showed
1: up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hear that people on the wait list. <laughs> yeah, a it's little a free country, right? You can show up with your horse in a trailer. It's like, not like somebody's gonna, I mean, you might have to stay in the parking lot, but if you're, if you're a nice guy and you're, know say so, hey i got money and you need three more people you might get in you might not but you obviously didn't
2: um, that that clinic in um spanaway washington i drove from wisconsin to and it was a, a three-day haul with a horse and uh, i think it was 11 and 12 hours two days and eight or nine hour, hours another day without having a spot i drove all that way and um, it was coming up I wanna say Thursday evening, six six o'clock or so. Um, Kathy, the host out there, walks over with a big grin on her face. And she was uh when I was talking to her on the phone, you know, I was or emailing, you know, saying I'm coming, uh, she never really gave me the impression that there was any chance that I was gonna get in. You know, mm-hmm. there was a, a long waiting list and some of the other clinics. I kind of felt like I might get in. but this one I there was no sign that I was going to be able to get in. But anyway, so six o'clock the night before she walks over with a smile on her face, and she's like, well, somebody didn't somebody didn't show, and I walked over to, to Buck's trailer, and um, uh, I told him, and I'm about to start going down this this waiting list, but there's this Greg guy that, you know, drove drove for three days to get here, and Buck's like, I remember Greg, let him in, so I I got in that (laughs) clinic, and not only that, Jacob walks over um, later and invites me to dinner with him, so I got to go out with with Buck to dinner a couple couple nights there in in, uh, Washington, which was just really cool. Like I said, I'm so green to this, and you know, all these people that have been doing it um, many years, I just... I feel blessed to be able to be included in that group, you know, even if it's to go to dinner or yeah. hang out with you guys and talk about this stuff. You yeah. Know, I'm, I'm really humbled by it all and thankful.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a community on its own level. And we say it all the time on here that, you know, just the, the rising tide raises everybody's boat. And if you build each other up, hey, that's, that's so important what you were saying about realizing what's important, what you're chasing in life. And, and even this, you could get lost chasing horsemanship if you didn't have your priorities straight with, with what was really real in life. But, but, like, that's the good stuff in life is when you can lift up your friends and, uh, you know, be encouraging to each other and, and encourage growth and be happy to see each other do well. And make friends around the country, and
2: the horse gives us a good tool for that in this pursuit. So, and I think there's just a lifetime of depth in it too, which is encouraging. I guess I mean it would sound discouraging, but to me, it's it's something that uh, you know I can I, I see people that have been doing it so long, and they're still you know just as Still have that vigor about it and still in pursuit of it. Um, just makes me want to keep at it. Yeah. That's terrific.
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's one of those things I think it's very obvious that you're kind of, uh, you're kind of a kindred spirit, uh, with the rest of us. And, you know, part of the reason we started this podcast is, You're going to get better if you can keep peers that are all trying to go the same direction as you are, Um, which is pretty cool. So did I lose you guys?
1: All right, we're back. So, yeah, we're really grateful to have you on, though, because we just want to hang out with you and do what we do with all the other guests we have is uh, have a good time talk about what we're doing and um oh yeah help yourself help yourself but we're we're glad to know you and really glad that you're on the journey it's encouraging
2: yeah happy and thankful
0: yeah well i'm excited for you man it's it's cool it's it's cool when you meet someone with the tenacity that you have for it so i'm excited for you
1: exactly
2: so what clinic you got lined up next joe are you got one planned
0: uh i mean i don't think there's any on the schedule right now
2: yeah he hasn't put it out yet probably
0: the next one bill does i'll go down for bills but
1: yeah i think that'll be february
0: yeah, that's what that's what he was telling me. I talked to Bill a little bit uh Saturday night. Oh good. Uh, yeah. Um or, Yeah, it was Saturday night. But um uh what was I gonna say? Oh I've I've kinda just been especially with the time change, been running so hard and fast, I've kind of just been enjoying like staying at home. Like this past weekend I slept in my bed like for the whole weekend and i was like this is great i haven't done this since august (laughs) yeah it's like been gone every weekend or been doing something so yeah it was it was good just uh had had a family event on saturday so i got to see my family and then sunday kind of spend it uh you know taking taking care of some odd jobs around the house and kind of kind of working on things on the home front before i'm sure you know when everything gets thawed out again be running hard and fast again so
1: yeah it's nice to be home isn't it like ride your own horses and take care of stuff oh yeah just be around
0: yeah Don't yeah absolutely to be... like yeah it's it's pretty cool but you got to you gotta travel and, and do stuff to, to truly appreciate that too. So like everything we've been talking about, it's a balance.
2: Yeah. That has been one challenge with um, the amount of travel I've I've been doing is I have a horse and no land. <laughs> and I have for two years. At least you have that electric yeah. fence you were talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, so that, that does... some land. Yeah, the solar electric fence is Really handy, um, you know. Out on BLM, you can just park and stake it off, and you got a place to camp. Um, but it's a challenge finding uh, turnouts really on the road, you know, and camping to give your your horse kind of a fair place to stay. Um, sometimes it's just back to back, you know, stalls, and uh, it's. You can definitely see it in your your horse's uh, performance when they don't get the, the, the proper proper treatment, I guess. Um, but uh, some some campgrounds have have turnouts for you, and, and um, those are nice. And I've i kind of explored possibly doing uh, something similar to what you are doing. I, the whole riding for the public thing—I never even heard that term prior to talking to Joe. I and I think that's just really cool that y'all do that. Y'all take, you know, other people's horses and kind of start from the beginning with them. And uh, I think it'd be something. I'm obviously not at that level yet, but uh, I, I think it's cool that y'all do it. Yeah. Well, if you can get to that point
1: where you can ride some more like that, at least, um, like we're talking about, you know, everything is balanced, but if you can get around more and more horses that's huge and you know for us of course we always put the customer first you know riding their horse offering the highest quality product you can for your customer should always be first but closely after that that ability to get on as many horses as you can that's huge Um, the more the better they're all different you learn different things on each one and um For me, it's huge.
2: And I'm really you have that look- ability. I'm really looking forward to starting my own cult too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope to do that this next year. Um, I bought this this horse I have now. I've like I said, I've had uh, just under two years, and a bit of a mystery horse. Uh, friend bought off Craigslist and without you know much. I don't know any background on him. Um, and it's just been a, <laughs> a handful, to say the least, trying to, you know, deal with a green horse and as a green rider, um, but I think in having a kind of a difficult horse or at least difficult compared to what I see everybody else working with, um, I've learned, definitely learned a lot, uh, and I've got him, you know, uh, pretty good place right now as far as demeanor and relationship wise. Um, I'm definitely not uh, where I was a year ago and fighting the same battles. Um, but it it's going to be cool to, to just do it from scratch without having uh, to really undo, I guess, or um, deal with a horse that's uh, been... Handled improperly for years, um, and kind of start from a clean slate. Yeah, it'll be exciting for you. It'll be like the next,
1: next big. Uh, it's like a milestone, kind of. I think in this, to kind of get your hands on that and, and dive in. But, gentlemen, we better yeah. wrap this up. So, because yeah, cause- we got some horses we're going to try to ride this morning, and some calves that might need to get tagged and stuff like that
0: cool man yep no i got plenty of work to do over here so i'm all for that
1: Alrighty. well greg it's been fun thanks for coming on and hanging out with us
2: yeah and i just wanted to thank you guys again um, both of you are great i've enjoyed uh, speaking with you and hanging out with you and learning from you thanks for having me on
0: yeah man well we enjoy hanging out with you too it's been a lot of fun
2: yes, sir you bet bye everyone Thank you